happy Mother's Day. Huh? Happy Mother's Day. Can you, ladies? Have you already been? Have you, have you already had that said to you a lot of times this morning? Hmm. No. All right. Turn around to the ladies and say Happy Mother's Day. Go ahead. Often on Sunday morning while I'm driving to church, I'll uh, call my mom, and uh, don't worry, I've got a Bluetooth system, so I like to talk to her for just a moment or two on Sunday morning on the way to church, and because I know when she goes, she goes to church, which is my home church, she's going to be asked, have you talked to Steve lately? And every time I call her on Sunday morning and they ask her that, and she's able to say, yeah, I talked to him this morning, she just beams. And that's one of my gifts to my mom because I know it makes her smile on Sunday morning. Yesterday I was uh, working out in the yard and FedEx truck backed up into the driveway and he had a package for Monisa. And it was those roses that uh, Jacqueline, Evan, and Liam had sent her from Italy. And uh, she smiled and and while we were talking, one of the things she said, and this, this won't surprise you, was it makes her feel good, right? Makes her feel good. Well, ladies, I have a gift for you this morning. Now, at the end of the sermon, you're going to get a carnation from your children, but I've got a different gift for you today. The gift I have for you today is a sermon. But <laughs> I deserve that. The gift I have for you is a, a sermon for your husband and your children. Okay? Yeah. So, ladies, you can sit back and relax. This is for the guys and the kids in the room, okay? That's my gift to you this Mother's Day. So I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul begins this really important section of Scripture by saying in verse 1 that you and I as followers of Jesus are to imitate God. We as followers of Christ are to pattern our lives and our attitudes after that of Jesus Christ. And so he talks about several things that we're to learn from God, learn from Jesus and pattern our lives after, imitate them in, in terms of ethics and morals and values, our, our lifestyle. In, imitate Jesus in that Jesus obeyed the will of the Father and you and I are to w obey God's will in our lives. Imitate Jesus in that, that he worshipped and you and I are to worship as followers of Christ. And then he comes to the section we're going to focus on this morning, family relationships. God ordained the family, established the home. We are to imitate what he says. And more specifically in this passage, imitate the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Imitate some of the actions of Jesus as we relate to one another as part of a Christian family. And so this morning I want to lift out two parts of this section on family relationships. The part where he talks to husbands and the part where he talks to children and uh, just... Uh, See what God can teach us from those two sections this morning. And I want to begin with husbands. A gift from husbands to their wives. 
And if you will, in Ephesians 5, follow with me as we read together beginning at verse 25. We'll read through the end of the chapter, beginning at verse 25. He says, Husbands, love your wives. Now what does that mean? Love them just as Christ also loved the church. That's very different than how our culture teaches men to love women. And gave himself for her. So that he might sanctify her, Jesus, for the church, for the family of God. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church and all her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And for this reason, and he's quoting the Old Testament here, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let's take a few minutes and look at what he says about the way a husband is to treat his wife. And the gift that a husband gives his wife is love. And love here is defined in two ways. Love her similarly to how Jesus loved the church. And love her as you love your own body, as you love yourself. Love your wife in a manner that's similar to the way Jesus loved the church. And, of course, as a follower of Christ, you know the, the church, the body of believers, is referred to as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. That's one of the analogies. And uh, love her the way Jesus loved the church. Think of the way Jesus loved you. Think of the way Jesus has expressed love for you, love for us, love for the church, love for people in this world. Think of the things that he does. And I want you, to, I want you, if you will, take a moment. Help me preach, okay? I need your help. I want you to think for just a moment about a word that, in, that, that, that describes some quality, some aspect to God's love for you. As you think of God loving you and God expressing love for you, what, a, what is a word that comes to mind that captures a quality? I mean, God's love has so many qualities to it, but just grab one of them out of the air, one quality of the love of God for you. Do you have that word in your mind? Do you have it? Raise your hand if you have that word in your mind. That, some of you, come on, think a little harder. The quality, a quality of God's love, do you have it? Do you have that word? Do you have it? Now, right now, in unison, I want you all to just to say it out loud. What is the word? What is the quality? Just say it. Tell me. All right, now this middle section, what are your words? There's so many qualities, I can't make out any of them you're saying because there's just so many different words. God's love is not narrow. It's broad. And it has all these qualities to it, the way Jesus loves us. Think of the words that were spoken around you. This section here, what are your words? Come on. I didn't hear that either. See, you can't, you can't put it just in one word. God's love is everlasting. God's love is faithful. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love is gentle. God's love is forgiving. God's love doesn't use your past against you once you have apologized. 
God's love nourishes. God's, God's love encourages. God's love builds up, right? God's love sacrifices. In fact, what does he say in the text here? Look in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The greatest expression of Jesus' love for us is the cross. The cross is not something Jesus did for himself. It's something he did for us. And to love someone the way Jesus loved them means you do stuff for them, not just for self. It's a sacrificial love. It's a selfless love, if you will. But notice there's more to it than that. Look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus gave himself up. He died that he might sanctify the church, purifying her, cleansing her, washing her sin in water with the word, and present to himself the church in all her glory. Jesus died on the cross so that we could become different than what we already are. He died on the cross to cleanse us and to make us what he intended for us at the very beginning of time before we sinned. And he's working in our life to transform us, to grow us, to nourish us, to nurture us, so that at the second coming, he can present to the universe, his church, his people, in glory. Now, the reason you and I don't understand that is we look in the mirror every morning, we see ourselves, and we know our sin. We know our wrinkles, we know our blemishes, we know our spots, we... we, we, we know the, the, the places we try to cover. And yet Jesus is working in my life and in your life to grow us and purify us and nourish us and sanctify us. And the Bible says there's a day coming when we will be transformed into absolute perfection and before all of time and all of the universe and all of creation, He's going to say, here is my bride. Isn't she glorious? Isn't she beautiful isn't she spectacular he sees in you what you don't see in yourself he knows what he's going to do in your life now what does that mean for how a man loves his wife it means we love her in the kind of way that helps her be better at who she is We love her in such a way that she is nurtured and encouraged to be the better her. We love her in such a way that the way we live, the way we live nurtures her spiritual development. Not that we preach at her because that doesn't work. You, you, you know that, don't you? Whether it's a man preaching to a woman or a woman preaching to a man or parents preaching to kids, preaching at people doesn't work. It just doesn't. But being the kind of devout, authentic imitator of God, being the kind of Christian, the kind of Christian man, there's no doubt about how, who you are and no question about how you live 
and no question about how you treat her or treat people in your life, God will use that. God will use that. And so, guys, let me ask you something. To all the men in the room, are you living the kind of Christian life that will inspire your children, that will inspire your wife to live for Jesus? Are you living the kind of Christian life, the kind of devotion to Jesus Christ that they're touched and they're moved? Or are you living so hypocritically that they also struggle? Love your wife the way Jesus loved the church. Jesus was able to die on that cross for us and sanctify us and wash us because he was without sin. Now, I'm not without sin. You're not without sin. But I can live an obedient Christian life, and so can you. And notice he said in that passage, the washing by the word. How do we live that way? We just obey Scripture. We just follow Scripture. We let Scripture set our values. We let Scripture guide us and tell us what to do. And so, guys, one of the ways you love your wife the way Jesus loved the church is to live according to Scripture, obedience to the will of God. Love her sacrificially the way Christ loved the church. But then he also added, love her like you love your own body. Now, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. The church is also referred to as the body of Christ. He's the head. And then he quotes that Old Testament verse that says, when you become husband and wife, two become one. No longer two individuals, but one unit, one flesh. And when he says, love her like you love your own body, what he's saying is this. What you do to her, whether you know it or not, you are at the same time doing it to yourself. Whatever you do to her, whether you know it or not, you are doing it to yourself. The quality of your life is affected by the quality of your love for her. And sometimes you don't realize the pain in your own body, in your own life, until time has passed. And just like, now listen to me guys, we can ignore issues with our physical health so that the disease reaches a point it can no longer be fixed, no longer be treated, no longer be healed, correct? If you ignore what you are doing in your relationships, that relationship can also reach a point that maybe you wake up, but you can't fix it. The cancer's terminal. And whether it's immediately or long term, the quality of your life is impacted by the quality of your love for your wife. What you do to her, you're doing to yourself. And this is the biblical guard against selfishness. This is the biblical guardrail, if you will, against a man abusing his authority as the spiritual leader of the home. Because if you really want to know how it's exercised, he begins that whole section in verse 21 by talking about mutual submission. Loving your wife as your own body means you are concerned, you care, you pay attention, you listen. And what does she enjoy? What does she need? This is a true story. I thought it was kind of comical when I first read it, but in 
in Florida, there was a, a couple in court, and they told the judge they wanted to work things out, so he ordered them into marriage counseling. But he also gave one very specific instruction to the husband. He told, he, he ordered, this is part of the court's ruling, not only to get into marriage counseling, but he instructed, he ordered the husband to take his wife on a date. Apparently he had not been doing that. And he said, now, here's how you do it. You go to the flower shop and you buy her some flowers. That's an order. You get a card and you write a kind note in it. Put it with the flowers. You give her the flowers, then you take her to Red Lobster, and after Red Lobster you go bowling. I'm not sure that's how I would have planned it, but that's okay. Now, you know, he, he said, take her on a date. Guys, don't wait till someone orders you. Don't wait till she demands it. Don't, don't wait till relationship is in a crisis and you, you feel like you have to. Give her the gift of love. Now, love her like Jesus loved the church and love her like you love your own body. All right, let's talk to the kids for a minute, okay? Let's talk to the kids. Chapter 6, verses 1 and following. Look in your scripture and let's read it together. He said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, referring to the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. And the promise is what's highlighted in verse 3, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And in the Old Testament passage, not only live long and go well, but that, that you'll live on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now, a couple of things in that verse about the way children are to give gifts to their, to their mother. And there are two gifts. Men, you have one gift, love. But that, that one's so big, God said there's two things about it, the way Christ loved the church and the way you love your own body. No selfishness, and it's sacrificial. Kids, two gifts you need to give your mother. Honor and obedience. Honor and obedience. Honor. And what's the second one? What, we don't hear that in our culture much. Let's say that one again. What is it? Obedience. Obedience. Well, let's talk about honor first. Honor your mom. Quoting from Exodus 20, the commandment, honor your father and your mother. The Greek word in our New Testament that's translated honor means to value or to esteem, to consider something or someone of great value and priceless. The word is used in John chapter 8 of Jesus honoring the Father. So the way Jesus honored the Heavenly Father during His pilgrimage on earth, we as children are to honor our mother, to, to value them, to esteem them of great worth and as someone who is priceless. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament that's translated honor in our English Bible literally means heavy, heavy. It's the picture, it's, it's the idea of someone who carries a lot of weight in your life. This person has a lot of clout in your life. And so when you put those two together, you get an idea of what to honor your mother means. It means to value her as priceless, to esteem her of great worth, and to see her as someone who carries a lot of weight in your life, tremendous influence. You get the picture? Put those together. That's what biblical honor for your parent and today for your mother is. Now, he refers to it in Ephesians 6 and he spells it out even more in the Old Testament 
that honoring your parents and honoring your mother is related not only to your life but to the, to the well-being of culture and of society. Because it's not just that it's a promise that your life will go better. When he live longer, here's the practical thing, get this. When you do what's right, you're less likely to shorten your own life. You, you got that? I mean, that's just common sense. When you do what's right, you don't put yourself at, at risk the same way as when you do what's wrong. Now, there's, there's no guarantees how long any of us are going to live, but we sure can improve the odds. And, and we can improve the odds of the quality of our life. When you do wrong, life tends to be harder and shorter. When you do right, tends to be better and easier and longer. Not always, but it tends to be. And God's being really practical here. Now, you, you can play with that if you want to. You can, you can argue with that if you want to, but oh, that, that's at your peril. But he also says that it not only will go well with you and live long, but in the, in the land which God gave you. God was saying to the people of Israel, the way you treat your family and kids, the way you treat your parents impacts the health of your nation, of your culture, and the stability of society, and the stability and the future of your nation. Now, let me be real blunt. The disintegration of the nuclear family is at the heart of many, many of the things that are tearing this country apart. And young people, you need to understand when you think you're it, and young parents... Love your kids. Value them. We need to make them feel loved. But some parents need to stop teaching their children that the whole universe circles them just like the earth. You know, the moon, the earth, and the, the earth, the sun. You get, you get what I'm saying? Some of you parents are spoiling your kids rotten. Now, that's a different sermon, but hey. Because they're not the center of the universe. Jesus is. And the more you love Him, the better you love Him. The more you'll love them, the better you love them. But don't raise selfish kids because you teach them that nothing matters but them. That's not true. All right, back to kids and parents. Kids, the way you treat your family... It's going to have an impact on the quality of the country you live in when you're raising your kids and when you're trying to enjoy your grandkids. You want America to have a better future? Treat your family better. Well, you say, I can't change this whole world. I'm just one person. No, but you can fix your little spot in this world. So get after it, okay? Can I get an okay on that? All right, honor. 
honor. And then let's get to that one we all love, obey. Obey. Isn't that what it says? I, I don't know. I'm 56. I don't see as good as I used to. Does it still say obey in verse 1? Talk to me, church. Does it still say obey? I think, I, I, yeah, it does, doesn't it? O-B-E-Y, obey. It comes from, it's, 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 in Greek, it's, a, it's two words that create that word obey. One means to be under, and the other is a cool, to hear. To be under and to hear. Put them together. To hear under. In other words, you submit to what you hear. You submit to the authority. You submit to the command. You submit to the teaching. You submit to the one you're under. That's what obey means. You follow instructions. Obey. He says in verse 1 that it's right in the Lord. In Colossians 3.20 where he says the same thing, children obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Now, hey kids, i got good news for you. This is 2014, you live in America, not ancient Israel. And you need to thank God. Here's why. Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 to 21, when a kid was rebellious, 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 and they wouldn't be corrected, they wouldn't accept chastisement, the parent was to drag them in front of the court system, and if the kid wouldn't turn around, they stoned them to death. See, I told you you would be thankful you live in America in 2014. Now, I'm not proposing we go back to the old system, okay? But I tell you what. Our culture is destroying itself because it's not encouraging kids to be submissive to parents. You have to have as a, you know, if, if, if my children were still minors and in school, they'd have to have my permission to give them an aspirin but not to give them an abortion. You got it? Our culture is hurting itself. It's, it's similar to what God's teaching in this passage when he says, Husbands, love your wives as your own body because what you do to her, you're doing to yourself. And what our society doesn't understand is that all the rebellion they're fostering in children is hurting the very people who are fostering the rebellion. And they're not smart enough to figure that out. Because no society can survive if there's just chaos. And so, kids, you want a better place to live in 20 years and 30 years? Honor your parents and obey your parents. Now, this is Mother's Day. And one of the ways you honor your mother is to talk to her. I've known for years that today is the busiest day of the year for telephone calls. More phone calls made today than any other day of the year. I learned something yesterday I did not know. When that FedEx truck backed up into the driveway, the driver was having trouble with his scanner. And so we got to talk for a while. And I learned from him that yesterday, the Saturday before Mother's Day, that yesterday is the busiest single day of the year for FedEx. I didn't know that. 
gifts. One of the gifts you give your mother is to talk to her. One of the gifts you give your wife is to talk to her. Tell her you love her. Kids, it's okay to say to mom, I love you. Tell her what you appreciate about her. Just talk to her. Brag on her. I mean, we hear so much negative stuff. It's good to hear some good stuff, isn't it? Sometimes we hear so much negative stuff, we don't think we're doing much right. Let her know she's doing some things well. Okay? Watch this video, and I think you'll understand why. I'm a perfectionist, and so that's hard with kids. Uh, there's definitely days when I have my doubts about my abilities. I struggle with my temper. I struggle with, like, how I react with situations. I wish I knew how to, I guess, just calm myself before speaking to them. I wish I was better at taking time to sit down and just listen more to my child. I wish I was more confident in being a mom. I'm not the most patient person in the world. Patience. Patience is far and away probably the biggest struggle. I just want them to know just how much I love them. My mom is totally awesome. She's fun to snuggle with. Pretty, funny. She does cook a lot of food for me. She's just unique. That's why I love her so much. We go on dates together. Like, we go shopping. She loves me a lot. I have a lot of favorite things about my mom. We like to watch movies together and color and stuff. We go to church together. We volunteer together. She is like my heart, I guess you could say, because she's that close to me. My favorite thing is to jump on a trampoline with my mom. That's my most favorite thing to go up high. We like get ice cream or something, and like you go to the nail salon and have fun. <laughs> my mommy's my hero. She's pretty and beautiful. She is my hero. She just will care about me and just always love me forever. She's the best. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> I always seem to focus mostly on the negative, and I guess I can walk out of here and say that I'm doing something great, and that my child is viewing me in totally different lenses as I view myself. So that's, that's inspiring. This is my calling. This is my job. This is what I love to do, and I will do it better and with love each and every day because those kids count on me, and they love me for what I'm doing.
We want to give you an opportunity to brag on your mom, say I love you to your wife. We have carnations here at the front, and this is the time in the service that you've been looking forward to where you can take a carnation to your mom. And guys, when we're done, ushers and deacons uh, will give one to mothers who don't have a child here to do that today as well. But I'm going to pray, and as soon as I say amen, come and uh, get a carnation and take it to your mom. And don't just hand it to her. Say something to her, okay? Father, bless this moment. Bless these women and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's come.